And that's what happens when we, instead of blaming, we take responsibility and we really begin to shift. It's 100% self-awareness. A Harvard Business Review, the single indicator of a longtime person of leadership and their success is self-awareness. It's so true and yet it's so hard to find. Everybody thinks they're self-aware, but very few people are. <laughs> Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. Today, I'm really excited to have Pastor Adam Weber on the show today. And Adam is a newer friend of mine in the last year or so. I've gotten to go to his amazing church, Embrace, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I've gotten to work with his incredible worship team. Adam is also uh, an author. You've written two books, Talking with God and Love Has a Name. And then also you have an incredible podcast called The Conversation. So um, Adam is a deep well of wisdom. <laughs> and so I'm just excited that you're with us today, man. Thank you for, for joining us. Yeah, Wade, I, ha I just have so much respect for you. And uh, you are a life giver to everybody that's around you. And so it, uh, when I got the invite, I'm like, this is uh, the easiest yes uh, of the month. And so genuinely so excited to connect with you and to cross paths with you and just excited about this conversation in general. Oh, thank you, man. First of all, how cold is it right now in Sioux Falls? It, so it, it warmed up this morning. It was actually quite cold. I think this morning it was like 10 degrees. Uh, and so we just got a little bit of snow. This has been the lightest winter in some time, but we had one spell where it was negative 40 uh, oh, for about eight days. It happened to be the same eight days that my wife was in Africa and I was like, you hit the <laughs> jackpot. Like, I'm like, I cannot believe your trip lined up so perfectly. Oh, uh, she, the, the Lord gave her a little, uh, a tip, some advanced <laughs> warning. <laughs> so true. I was telling someone the other day about how my wife and I were into cold plunging right now, which like, we're just jumping into our pool in Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina. So like, think like fifties or so. Cold plunging would be a whole different, whole different ball game where you live. So next time I'm there. Well, honestly, I've I've wanted to try cold plunging. I feel like I have several friends who have totally drank the Kool-Aid. And so I'm like, but I've tried. This is my baby step is turning the water as I'm showering, turning it cold. And I can handle it for roughly three seconds. And I'm like, this is not okay. Like, why am I doing this to myself right now? <laughs> that's what I did for a year. And that's that's the gateway. So just be careful. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with the question I ask everybody. What are you dreaming about right now? Oof. What am I dreaming about right now? Uh, honestly, I feel like we're in, uh, and I, I have no rose colored glasses left after pastoring the length of time I have. I'm just dreaming about the church and what God's doing right now. Hmm. Uh, honestly, which is not something I would normally say. One of the greatest struggles of my life is to enjoy the here and now. And I'm always like six months, a year out, but I'm just having so much fun right now. I told you before we started recording, we just purchased a, a new location for a new building for one of our locations. And I haven't been through it since we purchased it. And so I can't wait just to drive over there by myself, unlock it and walk through and just pray. But uh, so I'm praying about that. That, um, on a small level, I'm just I'm just praying and kind of just thanking God for my home and family. Uh, we're, we're currently redoing our kitchen, 
And it is like the last frontier of our house that needs some major love. And it's the place in the room that my family gathers. And so when I think about joy, I just think about that room being just a place that, that, um, that, that is filled with joy. And so it sounds weird, but I'm dreaming of our kitchen and not because the kitchen, but because of what it is to my family and the place that it will be for my family. I love that you said that because I imagine if you're redoing your kitchen, it's not very neat and tidy right now. It's got to be kind of chaotic. Uh, what, what what stage of the process is it in? So we haven't. I actually took the first hammer last night to some things. So we are just beginning the process, but our house is gorgeous. I, I'm an old house guy. Uh-huh. I think our house is the second oldest house in Sioux Falls. It's the home of the first senator from South Dakota. It is gorgeous with a giant asterisk when it comes to the kitchen. We don't have a dishwasher. Our cabinets are falling apart. And so I've never been so excited to take a sledgehammer <laughs> to all of it. I mean, like you could go and buy a vanity for $100 at Menard's put it in the middle of my kitchen and be like, man, this feels like a huge upgrade <laughs> to everything that's here. So we haven't started yet and I am giddy to go to town on it. So I didn't tell my wife that I was going to start taking up tile last night. So when she walked in, she's like, oh boy. I it was has like, begun. here we go. <laughs> here we go. But it's such a it's such a perfect picture though, I think for joy, because you're imagining what that space is going to be like and honestly, what it still is, even as you're going to yeah. be tearing things down and rebuilding things. And I think joy, sometimes we say like, choose joy and think that it's something that happens automatically, where I think joy is something that you actually have to fight for and you have to practice the skills that bring joy. And it's a messy process. And like you said, before we were hit record, we were talking about how you're in a really just full season of joy in your life and in your ministry. Can you talk about what it's taken to get there and what that actually looks like? Because sometimes joy can feel like this um, ambiguous, nebulous word. What is like real practical, real life joy feel like for you? Oh, that's so good. Uh, so I didn't tell you this, Wade. I don't know if this is weird to say. Uh, I So I do the word of the year And my word of the year for 2024 is enjoy. And for me, uh, joy for me, the first 20 some years of my life came so naturally. I mean, I'm just naturally curious about people, curious about life. Uh, And at some point that changed. I mean, just walking through enough battles and hardships and foolishness of my own, uh, that kind of gets taken out of you. And so I I need to fight for joy. Uh, I mean, when you said that, I was like, that is me. And so how I fight for it, gosh, for me, it has to be very, very intentional. And at the risk of sounding like a pastor, (laughs) for me, the beginning and end is staying connected to Jesus. I mean, uh, again, it used to come so naturally. Now it's the the opposite is natural of joy. Um, Worry and stress and a critical spirit oftentimes, if it's just me, that's the natural things. For for me, the moment I'm not connected to, to the Holy Spirit and who He is, it's as clear as if you unplugged one of these lights right here. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, that light was just working and now it's not. Adam, you just had joy and then you didn't. Uh, for me, it's it's that 
crystal clear. And so I can tell for me, uh, I, several years back, I started waking up earlier. So I usually get out of bed at five 30 and I just have a good 40 minutes of just being still drinking coffee. Uh, I got my, my prayer book or actually right here. It's just a little uh, notebook that I write in prayers and mm -hmm. thoughts and just everything I tell God. And then I, I go through a book of the Bible right now. I'm reading through second Samuel. I uh, just finished a book of Proverbs. And for me, that is the starting point. And as clear as day, uh, you can, I can tell, uh, if I did, if I wasn't myself and I walked up to me, I would know the moment I was like, you missed that this morning, didn't you? Uh, just being still with God. So for me, it's that. And then it's, um, this, you know, this is getting really personal, but, uh, I unexpectedly lost my brother, um, uh, just coming up on a year ago. And if I had any ounce of, we will live forever, uh, that's disappeared. Mm. And um, uh, that's not true. You actually, uh, it, when it comes to eternity with, with Christ, we can live forever. But as far as the here and now, we, we won't. And, um, and so that's, that's changed. I was just telling a friend of mine, I told that he, he's like, Hey, do you do one of these words of the year? And I was like, actually I do. And he's <laughs> like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And so I told him. And so he's, he's like, what does that change for you? And he knows about my brother as well. And I actually mentioned our kitchen. I said, hmm. we green lighted our kitchen and I probably wouldn't have been in a hurry to do that. But my, you know, my oldest is a junior. He's going to be a senior next year. And I really just want that place for our family. So it's, it's time with God. It's realizing our lives are here today and gone tomorrow and really just enjoying the moment. Um, it's green lighting our kitchen. But I, I, think, I think more than that, it's really intentionally just leaning into those moments. So I'm going all over the place. Uh, I read John Acuff's new book, All It Takes is a Goal, one of my top favorite books. I hmm. love that book. So one of the goals that I'm doing, uh, I've done it since July 1st. And I, I don't think I've missed a day that I've been at home, that I've not been at home. And I've, I don't travel very much. Uh, I, I'm a, kind of a homebody. Uh, I do one fun thing a day with my family. Hmm. Uh, up until this point, I shouldn't be sharing this all over the place. I've, my family actually doesn't know that I do this. Even right now, they literally have not <laughs> known that I've been doing this since July 1st. Every day, I do one fun thing with a family member of mine and they have to be the one who says it's fun. So literally they've not picked up on this. We'll do something and I'll, at the end, I'll just kind of nonchalantly, um, was that fun? And if they say yes, I'm like, that was it. Check it off the and list. So it's, so it's maybe playing solitary with my third grader and might be a drive with my daughter at night. By the way, I've had a lot of drives with my daughters at night, with my daughter at night because I haven't done my one fun thing of the day. And she asked me at 9 p.m. And, um, <laughs> but that right there, again, that, that fighting for joy, you might say that's really mechanical, but for me, I need that. I need that checks and balances of like, hey, because otherwise I probably would say no a lot of times. Of I'm tired. I don't want to play solitary. I'm tired. I want to go to drive. And some of my most joy-filled moments since July 1st have been because I've said yes to that one fun thing. I love that. I'm going to I'm gonna steal that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you, what I think is so practical about that and helpful for people is I think you have to create space for joy. I think you have to create rhythms of joy in your life because not many good things in our life happen by accident or happen by being passive. And so true. And even you going, you know, talking about 
you know, realizing that life on this earth and this physical body right now isn't going to last forever. And the Bible says, teach us to number our days. And yeah. I think that is the beginning. It's it's wisdom. It helps us be in the moment and it helps us be more intentional with our time and the gifts that God has given us. So thanks for helping us with that. That's that's going to definitely help me as a dad. Uh, no, I, I, my, my, my favorite story uh, that I like from that's come since July 1st, I did a wedding. Uh, I usually do about one, two weddings a year. I did a wedding for an awesome couple. One of them's in the NHL. So I, and so it's just this really neat wedding. And so my daughter came with me and uh, we did the wedding. We're at the reception. It's all adults. And then it's my, da- my daughter across. And I text her because I'm thinking about, I said, are you, are, I text her, are you having fun? And she wrote back, not really. And I was like, okay, we're, this is probably going to go pretty late. And I, it was the, I said, would you want to, would you want to leave and go out to, to eat somewhere? And she's like, yes. And so I said, okay, I'm going to get up um, and use the restroom and you get up in a moment and then we'll go out to our car. So we got out to our car and I was like, baby, that's what I call her. I was like, baby, you get to pick any restaurant in town. Uh, that we're going to go to. And she's like, you're going to be dressed like this because I was in my suit for doing the wedding. And I was like, yep, you pick the place (laughs) and we'll go there. And uh, she's like, I'd really like to go to Chick-fil-A. And I was like, Chick-fil-A? I was like, we can go anywhere, baby. Like we, you pick the place, we'll go. And she's like, I'd really want to go to Chick-fil-A. So I walked in and uh, in my suit and she was dressed up really beautifully as well. We're sitting there. My daughter was beaming. Hmm. Um. I mean, she was glowing and she, she, she must've said over and over again, dad, this is so much fun. Hmm. Like I can't, and she'd say, I can't believe you're dressed like this. And I just had that, that moment of intentionality. I'm like, I, again, I'm such a clueless Yahoo in so many ways. <laughs> like, uh, and that's not being self-deprecating. That's just true. You know, like, and I was like, Lord, thank you so much for this moment. It's a, it's a something I will never forget because of how she was glowing that time. And, and sometimes it's just like th- those, those moments you can let pass by, but it's like, I'm just, it's just my daughter and I, we got four kids. We don't have many times where it's just us. I'm dressed up. She is. And I, it's just really being intentional about those moments. Man, you're about to get me emotional here thinking about, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about my girls. Um, you know, I, I do think it's, it's a great reminder that joy isn't found somewhere else it's it's formed right where you are and right where you are and i think a lot of times we turn our joy over to circumstances or to other people rather than taking ownership for it and i'm curious how, what kind of correlation have you seen even in your leadership as a pastor from these personal practices because i think there's so much correlation there and i also believe you're one whole person. It's not like your personal family you and then your work you. So as you've been maximizing those moments with your family, how has that translated to the people that you lead? 
Oh, that's so. That's, I, I, well, I just had this thought. So earlier, I feel like I'm saying that I, we have we we have three campuses plus a Durfee campus at a prison. And then we have network churches. So don't envision me with 20 campuses. Right before this, earlier though, uh, one of our other campuses, not the one I'm going to after this, but another one. We're building a new facility, and it's gorgeous right now. the The studs just went up, and so our campus pastor there reached out and said, "Hey." You should stop by. And I'm like, I would love to. Uh, he was my very first full-time hire and is still on the set, on the team, which is just awesome. One of my closest friends. And as we're walking up, I said, this still doesn't feel real. And he's like, he's like, I, it doesn't feel real to me either. And then I said this, and I think it correlates. I said, it's so crazy because I feel like more than any other time, I really have the church open-handed. Hmm. Like, um, it's, it's not mine. If I and there's seasons where I would have said that, but I wouldn't have lived it internally. Yeah. What do you mean it's not mine? I started this church. Like I came up with the name for Embrace when I was in seminary. Like uh, it, it's it's mine as it could possibly be. Now there's not an ounce of me that thinks it's mine. You know, and so I feel like I've I've just much more in that. I think that's kind of maybe tied to my brother and losing him. Yeah, we're here today and gone tomorrow, and so we get to be stewards mm-hmm. of our team, of our church, of our facilities, just for a breath. Yep. And if God's so kind to let it go on past our lives, oh, what a gift, hmm. you know? But there's there's something so freeing about like, Lord, I just got it open-handed. And so there, uh, gone are the days of me trying to white knuckle everything, hmm. of me trying to shove things through. Um, oh, oh, I just a conversation yesterday. I told a guy, I don't want anything except what God wants. And I mean that like from the deepest part of like, cause I've had enough heartache. I've had enough, like we should have never done that. I've had enough of like touching the hot stove where it's like, I don't want to do that ever again. And so I think it's just that really like living hands open um, yeah. to what God has for this year to come to have like hands wide open, even with staff. Um, for me, I only hope that I would encourage any staff to fly whether that's going to another church or another business, or if there's a step up that they can take in the, in the church here or somewhere else, my hope is that like, no, I, I, you're not going to hear sideways stuff from me and how dare you. I hope I'm only like helping you to lift off even more. So I think yeah. that's really come from this last year. And then just, this is something I am terrible at in the past, celebrating which is so close to joy, you know? So yeah. I think those practices of staying connected to Jesus mo- every moment, every yeah. minute, Lord, um, and just really celebrating. And, you know, we got those two facilities coming. In the past, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till Mother's Day when one of them opens up. And then I really, really can't wait until we launch them. And sure, I'm excited about those days, but I'm like loving right now. Yeah. And that prayer request that we got told about someone coming to Christ and making a decision like last week, I'm like jacked about it still. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the prisoner uh, that's at our Durfee campus who just wrote and said like he can't believe that we come every single week. I'm still excited about that. And I think that was like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just as passionate about telling people about Jesus like, I'm just as excited. Like when, when those new buildings open up, I'm going to be like, this is so cool. <laughs> but like, I'm not living for them. 
And they're yeah. not like, I, I'm like right here, I'm present right now. And Jesus, I'm thankful for you today. And I, all the blessings you've poured out of my life and my family and my church, right already. Yes, there's more to come because you're so good and kind and faithful, but I am like swimming in your grace uh, yeah. right now. And so I, I think that just when you stay close to the heart of God and you just realize how dependent you are on him, it really changes everything, both with your family, your private life, but also your leadership and your team. Yeah. And um, yeah. that That's such an inspiring answer. And- <laughs> I want to ask you though, what is, because we've talked a little bit about how to form joy and what it feels like for you now and what it looks like for you now. What are like those little small things for you that tend to try to steal your joy or to snatch it away? Um, everyone has different, I don't Oof. even like to use the word triggers, but but different tendencies to to maybe go off the path of joy. What does that look like for you? Oh, so, oh gosh, I feel like I could list them all off. No, not not spending time with God, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Secondly, maxing out my schedule. And um, so maxing out my schedule, uh, the moment I can tell, it's so weird. My drive uh, used to be my strongest suit. And I still think it's probably one of my greatest strengths, but I'm not invincible anymore. Like before I, I would hit a wall and I would just push it harder. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, you could feel like, it's like, man, I got this gas pedal to the ground, but I, there's got to be another gear. In the past, I would find that other gear. And now I think it's God's kindness of just like, nope, you actually can't. Yeah. And for a while, that used to make me angry. It's like, no, I'm, I'm going to push on this gas pedal, whether you want me to or not, God. And he's like, you can try. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's maybe uh, age, um, but I also think it's God's kindness. So that a comparison will steal my joy every day of the week. And I, I feel like I've grown a lot in that. And maybe that's maturity. Um, I, cause, cause I, I, a comparison will steal my joy, no doubt. Um, but I, I feel like I've seen growth in that. Even as I'm saying that, that will steal yeah. mine. Is it comparison more like professionally or ministry-wise? Professionally. Or it, okay. Yeah, other churches. Uh, mm -hmm. Other things, God, cool things God's doing at other churches. Um, e even like, I mean, just like, oh, like it's so stupid inside of me of just like, you know, oh, this person's going to this church or that church and it's just dumb, you know, but it's, yeah. it, I would be lying if I said otherwise. And so I think those, I don't think the national, um, pastors, uh, I don't think that gets to me. It used to, but mm -hmm. that doesn't get to me. It's more locally, if right. somebody says like, and then, then I'm like, gosh, what am I do not doing? What is embrace not doing? And, and even, even as I say that, I feel like I've had a lot of growth in that, but that's just mm -hmm. being really honest for yeah. me. The, the thing that will steal my joy is my schedule. Um, mm. and yet one of my coping mechanisms, this is a, no, it's not good is work. You know, mm. um, it's a very acceptable, it's a very, uh, I mean, people will celebrate you. They won't celebrate you drinking alcohol, but they will celebrate you working more as a pastor. And yeah. uh, they won't celebrate you looking at porn, but they'll celebrate you doing this for that, you know, meeting with them, responding to this. They'll celebrate that all day of the week. And so that's where I get in trouble. 
We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanna personally invite you to join my new mentorship. This is the Joyful Leader Mentorship. It's a journey to help Christians with a public platform avoid burnout and find deeper fulfillment in their private lives. I wanna help us tackle three of the biggest problems that I've faced myself as a leader, and I've seen so many other leaders face, but I know that we can be transformed in these areas as we become more and more of a joyful leader. Number one, we're gonna look at imposter syndrome and how to move from that to a more confident identity. Second, I wanna look at competing priorities where there are so many different demands on your time as a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a leader, providing financially for your family. How do you make it all work without dropping one of the plates that just can't drop? So we're gonna learn how to move from competing priorities to a unified focus, how to integrate those priorities into your life. And finally, we're gonna look at the problem of unsatisfied ambition. Now, ambition is a good thing, but when it's an unsatisfied ambition, where we feel like we're constantly having to prove ourselves or to be successful or to look like we're successful, it is trying to fill a void inside of us where we are the center of our own company. We're the center of our own dream. We're the center of our own ministry. And we need to learn how to move from that to diversified satisfaction, where we can be satisfied in how we raise other people up and how we empower the people that God has called us to influence and called us to lead. So if you wanna know more about the Joyful Leader Mentorship, just go to wayjoy.com forward slash the Joyful Leader or check the link in the show notes and YouTube description. All right, back to the show. What have you found when it comes to your schedule that helps you keep it in a healthy place. <laughs> Any practices you could share? Yeah. Oh, something that's been game changing for me. Anything outside of Embrace, any sort of speaking engagement, big or small, locally or at a conference, I have to run everything past the team. And that um, that has been the most life-giving thing to me because oftentimes I'd say, yes, it's six months from now. I'm not thinking about it. Or it's like, oh, for sure I can do that. But I have four or five people and I have to run my speaking engagements past them, whether it's literally, hey, can you pray at this city event? Or, hey, can you speak at this conference? Or, hey, uh, can you do this chapel service for this sports team or whatever else? I have to run it all past them. And they'll ask the hard questions like, hey, um, yes, you do not preach that week, but you do preach the five weeks leading up to that week. So the one week you want off, you really want to do that to yourself? And then it's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that at all. (laughs) But then there's, it's so that's been really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and to some pastors that might be like, what, aren't you the lead pastor? Who are you? And it's like, no, I'm a fool. Uh, I will, I I've, I've said to a couple of the people I've tried to do this since I was 24 and I haven't figured it out yet. So why don't I delegate that to somebody else? (laughs) (laughs) So, So I think that's been helpful, um, for me really realizing and prioritizing that, um, that, that early time of God has been huge. I used to do it really well in the summer times when I could leave early, but then during the school year, it'd fall off because I dropped my, I, for, for years, I dropped my youngest one off at a school. Um, so that was helpful just to get that more consistent. Uh, even like saying yes to um, pastoral care type things. Um, so, so I have a team that helps with me saying yes 
And hey, Adam, I think you should say you each week you should have this many spots that you can meet with somebody. And um, if they're wanting to meet, it can flow into the next week or the next week, or it can be be, be handed off to a campus pastor or uh, a care pastor. And again, that rigidness, that uh, it's so weird. Um, people want both. Uh, as your pastor, they want you to be all things to all people, but they also want you to be this healthy pastor who preaches great messages, you know? And it's like, Oh, um, but if I do this, I don't, I can't do that and vice versa. And so for me, again, in the past, out of a people pleaser and out of that just feels really weird. Like there's only certain amount of spots. Who are you that you can only like, that's how I would have felt in the past. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, Oh, this is, this is life, you know? Oftentimes we think guidelines are restricting, but they can actually be life-giving. Hmm. I had a, this is a little bit of an extreme example. Uh, years ago, a friend of mine um, did some things uh, sexually uh, that were, I mean, he got, he, he, went, he went to prison for it um, and came out and um, he, he told me, he said, I have all these guidelines in my life. And he said, he said, most people would see this as very restricting. I look at it and all I can think about is abundant life. Hmm. Cause he's like, they just help me, you know? And so I'm like, woof, that's wisdom. You know, we put up fences when we don't want to, I want to make sure a guard, I want to make sure I don't hit that. And, um, and so I just thought that was so wise. And so those type of things, because I don't want to be a pastor for a year, uh, or a 50 yard dash. I want to do it for the marathon and I don't want to, uh, lose the, lose my soul, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think so much of what you're saying points back to self-awareness and understanding your tendencies, where you're weak, where you've grown, yet you still need to make sure you're on guard. Yeah. And even when when Jesus um, says that my, his power is made perfect in our weakness, I think we have to understand what our weakness is to Oof. be able to let his power transform us. And, and so kind of keep it along with that self-awareness. You just preached a series at your church. I think it's called The Five Mindsets That Can Ruin Your Life. <laughs> <laughs> That's an intense title, but... It's so true. You talk about blame, black and white thinking, entitlement, apathy, and indulgence. Uh, I'd love for you just to share why those five, yeah. maybe maybe which one oh. you wrestle with the most. Um, and yeah, give us some wisdom when it comes to that. Oh, so uh, I, that, that, that series, uh, I believe it was one of our campus pastors who came up with the idea and I'm just like, I love this. We think our thoughts don't take us any place. You know, it's just like, well, it's just in my head. It's not not leading me. No, our, our mindsets lead us in a very specific direction. Like they are taking us somewhere. Uh, and so the question we kept asking, where is your mindset taking you? Also, to be very, very clear, I think before this series, if you would have talked about mindset, I would have probably said, just be careful to not be like new agey. Like just mm -hmm. be like step kind of feels self-helpish, you know, like even mm -hmm. mindset. And yes, put on the mindset of Christ Jesus. I mean, it's it's in scripture, 
I don't think I realized how much it's in scripture, mm. even throughout Proverbs. So I just finished Proverbs. I kept teach, uh, texting one of our, our pastors who helps with content. I'm like, a mindset is all over the book of Proverbs. <laughs> I'm like, I know we're almost done with the series, but we can kept going over and over again. Like our mindsets are, are so important in the processes of taking off uh, of Jesus followers. It's sanctification, taking off our own mindset or the mindset of the world and putting it on the mindset of mm-hmm. Christ. Um, there, it was a series. I think it will be a series we actually come back to because there were so many mindsets that we did not get to. For me, the ones that really hit home is the mindset of blame and the mindset of entitlement. Mm. And with blame, um, it's so, I mean, that is what we do. We look for something or someone to blame rather than taking responsibility. And that's such a hard thing. And it's, uh, it's such an important thing, specifically as leaders. I actually shared about, um, I asked the team, I was like, are you sure? So 2018, we went through the hardest season uh, as, as a church. And um, I had to make a really hard leadership decision and let someone go. And it did not end well. And for, I mean, the first six months, I wanted to blame, 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 blame. And I had, mm-hmm. I had reasons, like lists. <laughs> and I, I mean, like I, I very, very thought out in my brain, you know? And it's so crazy because about six months in, God just began to like, hey, um, was, did you play any part in that though, Adam? And at first it was like, that cannot be the voice of God because that sounds horrible. You know, like, but gently, all of a sudden it began to grow and grow and grow. Like, um, yeah, others weren't perfect, but uh that's that applies to you as well. And oh, by the way, you're actually the leader, and so ultimately it does fall on you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, like now it's so interesting. Um, I look back and yeah, uh, could, you know, could there be blame? Sure. But for me, I look back at 2018 and that was me. It was me. And uh, I need to own it. And I have learned and grown so much from it. And that's, that's been friends, close friends and staff saying that like, Adam, you are so different. Uh, a little while back, I had someone kind of go through something hard in their leadership. And they said, this is going to, and they were really struggling. And they said, this is going to change the way I do everything. Hmm. And I said, um, I'm not sure where that's coming from. Like what, what you mean when you say that, but as your friend, let me just tell you, that's such a wonderful thing. And, and he looked up and I was like, genuinely, again, I don't know if that's coming from a place of like, shame or whatever, but just as your friend, I'm seeing it as a different thing. And I'm like, that's such a beautiful thing. I was like 20, 2018, again, my low season, almost all of the way I do things has changed. And that's what happens when we, we instead of blaming, we take responsibility and we really begin to shift. And it's, it's a self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hundred percent self-awareness. Uh, I, uh, Harvard Business Review, and this won't be news to you, I'm guessing, uh, the single indicator of a longtime person of leadership and their success is self-awareness. 
And uh, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's so true. And yet it's so hard to find. Everybody thinks they're self-aware, but very few people are. <laughs> and again, that's a whole, that's a whole mindset. You know, like what, what is our mindset? Is it blame or is it like, no, I need to take responsibility. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely uh, add my two cents on <laughs> the times where I have blamed everybody else but me. <laughs> And I was actually a very big part of the problem. Uh, <laughs> exactly. The, the one I'm curious on, and I'd love for you to elaborate uh, about, and I've listened to, to some of this message as well, so yeah, I kind of yeah. know where you went, but it's black and white thinking. Because I think right now, you know, there's, in the church, we talk a lot about, you know, this is black and this is white in terms of <sighs> right and wrong and fact versus you know, heresy or, or whatever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so where, where is that a good thing? And where is it a unhealthy mindset? Oh, so that, that, that was one of the hardest messages that I have preached. And uh, the guy who works alongside me with the message, he's like, I think this might be one of the hardest messages we've worked on. And I was like, amen to that. <laughs> so the story we looked at is the story of the woman caught in adultery. Um, you know, she's been caught in the act of adultery. Uh, you know, what do you say, Jesus? Uh, so the black and whiteness of it is, uh, it wasn't hearsay. She was caught in the act. So it wasn't gossip. It was true. <laughs> she was there. <laughs> and with this topic, there is a very specific verse that says, if you're in Leviticus, if you've been caught in the act of adultery, uh, the person is to be killed. I, I mean, mm -hmm. so very, very clear you know, Jesus, what do you say? And I kind of got, as I was preaching and I'm like, Jesus, why are you taking so long to answer the question? Like, are you watering down scripture? Like, this is very, what do you say? Why are you taking so long? It's right or wrong. Or do you agree with God or do you not? Do you follow the scriptures or do you not? And, um, he sees the black and white, but he's able to look further into the situation. Um, cause, uh, Jesus says, uh, at least in the, the, the NIV, all right. Uh, basically saying you're right. Like she deserves to be death. All he says is that's true. Go ahead and kill her. Uh, the only person who can kill her though has to be perfect. So he's, he's not saying, no, that's not true. Uh, she's totally fine. He's saying, no, you're right. Um, Someone, you know, she, she deserves to be killed. You just have to be perfect. Hmm. And oftentimes we want that rigid black and white. And that's, again, Jesus is not changing that at all. Jesus is not saying, hey, it's no big deal that you cheated on your husband. Like, uh, hey, like, I, th I think he, he's never going to sign off on our garbage is what I said. Like, uh, you know, it's no big deal that I turned my kids' world upside down because I was, uh, I was in, interested in this other person. Not, a, not at all but he's able to see the black and white and look further. Because at first glance, all the religious leaders are right and this sinful woman is wrong. And it's just, it's just messy. You know, and we think the opposite of black and white is gray and it's not that either. Like, it's not like, oh, just your truth and whatever. It's just so messy. Uh, after that, uh, there's a high level city leader at my church who came up and said, this is my life. You know, like, <laughs> we all want this one perfect answer and it's just not. And so 
it's it's messy. As leaders, you can tell a leader who has experience because they get that. Like there's there's not always this 100% correct right answer with God and this 100% evil. Oftentimes it's really, and that's where we need discernment mm. as leaders. That's where we need wise counsel as leaders. Um, that's when we need to pause. But at times we there's you can't pause. You need to make a decision. I mean, you look yeah. at COVID. It was like the epitome of like, I don't know what the right situation <laughs> is. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can remember through COVID, uh, folks in the addic- addiction community saying, thank you so much. Um, and for, for having a service and at this time or whatever, and it's just messy. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, uh, I, I, yeah, there's so much, (laughs) you can hear, you can even hear the inner turmoil that I'm feeling right now, (laughs) even, even working through that message. But I think there's, there's maturity in knowing that of like, no, we're not watering down anything. And yet oftentimes things just get really, really messy. And Jesus was okay with that. He was okay mm-hmm. with that angst. He was okay with that messiness. And instead of walking away from it, he walked towards it. And he never, he never took the bait, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he, the, the Pharisees, they wanted him to take the bait and to have this black and white whatever. And yet he, he didn't take the bait. Instead, he challenged them. And he also challenged the woman um, as well. And he, but he saw her and he, yeah. instead of treating her like trash or by what she had done, he saw her as a child of God, again, upholding the black and white while also meeting her. And so that's a messy, messy answer even. <laughs> Gosh. Well, no, I, I, I'm glad that you lean into that with your congregation. And I think we can want to change people's thinking before <sighs> God changes their heart. And, and I think everything you're talking about is Jesus spoke to the heart of the woman's accusers and he spoke to her heart and really got to what was going on underneath. And from that, yes, change is meant to happen, but Jesus starts by speaking to what's really going on within someone. And so I, I, with, with that, I gotta, I just gotta say this. So I'm, I, the book is called The Churching. Uh, It's a newer book. And one of the things that broke my heart was they said one of the main reasons that uh, people are leaving the church who have, who come from a Christian home is mom and dad are willing to talk about the messy cultural topics. Uh, Basically, mom and dad are coming down with this very rigid black and white to the point that they won't engage in the conversation. It's not saying mom and dad uh, are unwilling to waver in what they believe is the heart of God. That's no, we shouldn't do that again. Jesus never did that, but it, it really like basically they couldn't engage mom and dad with messy things. Hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know why it broke my heart. Yeah. You know, I hope I, I hope I guide my kids and I lead my kids and they know they can, they, they know where I I'm at on different things but hopefully I'm, I'm willing to say, well, what do you think though? You know, and what do you think, what do you think God says about this? And what do you, how do you and engage in the conversation rather than like, nope, like this is, this is the end of the conversation. Thus saith the Lord. And I just was like, oh, 
if only us parents could see that <laughs> and we might've won the battle, but lost the war when it comes yeah. to our kids' faith. What's interesting, that correlation with them not feeling like they can have like hard conversations of faith with your with their parents and that causing them to leave the church because I think parents are meant to be the main disciplers and pastors for their kids. And I think when we abdicate that responsibility, there will be a consequence. Um, uh, and as as I as you even said that back, what I also thought was how how do we do that as pastors and as church leaders? Hmm. And not watering down the gospel, not not watering down the word of God, but being a safe place where people can say, Hey, I have a question, or hey, this is where I'm at. Um and uh, again, not watering anything down, but how do we do that? That just feels really, really messy. And yet that's where it feels like Jesus is at. You know, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always drawn by, by Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, but the first couple of verses, the Pharisees are the ones like, why well, does he, he, they're grumbling and mumbling about these sinners. And yet it says the sinners are pressing in to hear Jesus. And I'm like, how does he do that? That's just so messy. You know, he's he's so holy that angels cover their eyes when in his presence because he's fully God. And yet here are these notorious sinners drawn to him. I'm like, I don't know how he does that. But um, you know, I'm like, that feels so messy. Can't you just be one or the other? And yet he leans into it. Yeah, that that's a beautiful picture and reminder of just the kind of representatives we're supposed to be in the world. Yeah. Um, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation. I, I'm just grateful for your, like I said earlier, your joy, but also your courage to lean into hard things with your with your church and and pastor them well. And I'm gonna link to all those uh, to your YouTube channel where people can see those sermons on the five mindsets because I think that would really help people a lot. I'd love to know before as we as we land the plane. Well, actually, before I ask you that. Yeah. You had a, you had an amazing bio on your website, and you said you also. This is a real hard turn. You like typewriters, <laughs> old pens, and antique tractors. Tell me about yes. that. Oh my gosh, I love them all. Like uh, all of them. I I have. I'm the biggest. It's so funny for Sioux Falls, and it's nothing uh, with your past elevation, all this kind of stuff. But Sioux Falls. It's kind of this church. It was known. It was the first church in Sioux Falls on Twitter, all this kind of thing. And yet those who know me the most are like, you're like a 90-year-old man. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I dream of going back to the 1930s, but can my house please have air conditioning at the same time? You know, like I'm like, that's the one asterisk that I want to put in there. But I, I don't know what it is. I think it, I think it slows down my soul is what it does. Hmm. Um, using an old fountain pen, it uh, it slows down my soul. It takes a little bit longer to do that. Um, my I have an old car, a 1936 Chevy, and it's impossible to do anything while driving that vehicle except driving the vehicle. You can't. Li I mean, like, I, I, like that may, be, might be common sense. I'm saying it doesn't have a radio. If it did, I wouldn't be able to have it on because I need to hear the engine to know when to shift and how to get off a stop sign without killing it 10 times. <laughs> and so like, I think, I think that stuff slows my soul down mm -hmm. and maybe brings me back to a simpler time, not a perfect time. The thirties by far were not a perfect time, but just maybe a little bit of a simpler time. So I just, I love my fountain pens. Please tell me you wrote your books on a typewriter. 
I wish I could. <laughs> that, that would be the most painful thing ever. I think I'm up to 17 or 18 typewriters right now. And I, I so I, I like old stuff that I can use, not just look at. So I use mm -hmm. everything that I have. So it's like my typewriters, my handwriting's bad. So I type it out and whatever. That That's awesome. You've inspired <laughs> me now. No. I, I collect uh, lightsabers and you collect typewriters. So Gosh, I need a lightsaber. <laughs> um, now, just as we as we land the plane here, I'd love to know, do you have any anything on your heart that you'd love to encourage whoever's listening or watching, whether it's about joy, it's about their mindset, it's about fountain pens, whatever's on your heart. Like, I, I'd love to hear hear that. A conversation that I had recently is the first thing that comes to mind is friendships mm -hmm. and, and friendships being a source of joy. Um, for me, when I'm busy, the first thing that gets cut out are, is uh, exercise, friendships, time with God, and those are the things that actually keep joy in. And um, we, we've, we, I have several close friends, guy friends uh, on the team and away from the team, but we've really formed a close, close friendship the last three, four years with two other couples. And they, they're so different than us, like in every way, shape or form. And yet we've just grown to love each other. Uh, one of them unexpectedly lost their mom, um, just over a week and a half ago. And when we got back in town, we were out on vacation. We had had a, a, a triple dup date night already scheduled and he had just lost his mom. They had the funeral the day before. And so I texted the group and I said, Hey, I just want to put it out there. There is, we can totally reschedule this. Like, Absolutely. And uh, the wife responded and said, hey, no, actually, I touched base with them and he, he absolutely wants to go. Yeah. And that night was just such a beautiful night. There was tears, there was laughter, there was joy. Um, not in the absence of hard stuff, but in the presence of hard stuff. And so friendships. Um, I can remember interviewing Kyle Eidelman and he went through a time where he had a sabbatical, uh, you know, he somewhat chosen, somewhat like kind of like you have to do this. And I, uh, I asked him like, what did he learn after his sabbatical and getting healthy? And he said, I have friends. Mm -hmm. And it just struck me. And he's like, before that, I had friends for a reason. Like they could help me with something or whatever. There was a per very clear purpose. Now I just have friends to have friends. <laughs> I was like, wow. whoa. I was like, that will preach. And so maybe, maybe a question to evaluate just for the person who's listening. Do you have friends? Hmm. And if not, what needs to be true? Um, and if you're, you constantly are flaking out on that, how can you make it a priority um, to show up and to have a friend just because, not for any reason, because um, for me, they're one of the greatest sources of joy in my life. That's a perfect note to end on. Thank you, my friend, for uh, uh, for what you shared. And how can people follow you if they want to continue to get wisdom from you? Oh, you, the, probably the simplest way. I'm on Instagram, Adam A. Weber. Uh, I got a podcast called The Conversation. You can find me there. 
as well. But Wade, I just, I respect you so much, like genuinely just even looking at you, just smiling ear to ear and thankful for the person you are and the joy spreader that you are um, in, in a beautiful, full sense of the word, not surface joy, but genuine joy um, that you bring to every person you cross paths with. And so I am so grateful for that. Thank you, my friend. We'll see everyone back here next week for more Dreamers and Disciples. Thank you.